And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P Radio!
K I R P Radio. Good evening. It is the night of Friday, April twenty eighth, twenty seventeen. You're listening to the K I R P Radio Show. K R P is keeping it real with Pudgy Miller. My name is Rocco P. I thank Pudgy for the opportunity to use his platform once a month. This is last. Fridays, last Friday of the month with Rocco P and the KRP Radio Show. I cannot believe how quickly the months have gone by. When I do this show, I normally think a couple different times throughout the month. You know what? I normally like to do a theme show and I not just go through you know, just news items all over the place. So I, more than once, I really wanted to do a show about states' rights, that discussed states' rights on the show before, as far as the fact that the federal government only has certain enumerated powers, and what is an enumerated Article 1, Section 8, then falls to the people or states. Therefore, the proper understanding of federal, the so-called Federal Supremacy Clause is that the federal government is only supreme in what is specifically in the enumerated powers. So that, once you understand that, that opens up... Uh, just really a, a massive re-understanding of the federal government and you know, really the responsibility the states have. Easy way to see that is with uh, the federal laws against marijuana. Federal laws against marijuana. At the personal level, I do not use marijuana, have never used marijuana, have no intention to use marijuana, but I think the science is a lock. It's clear there are massive medicinal benefits for marijuana, and even if there are not, uh, back in the day, and uh, this country had to pass an amendment to make alcohol illegal. But then all of a sudden, after alcohol, after prohibition was then repealed and alcohol became legal again, they made drugs illegal, but they didn't change the Constitution. So when you understand that, that really, you understand just how far gone the federal government is and how massively the states have failed to counter that federal power. And I say all that in passing as an illustration when you see all these states that have passed laws that have made marijuana legal, medicinal, or otherwise. I think it's uh, Oregon, one other state. I think Colorado, where even for recreational purposes, marijuana is legal. Then you realize, well, if there's a federal law and against marijuana, and then if the states pass laws saying it's legal, in effect, they have interposed. They've interposed. They've stood between... Uh, the people of their state and the federal government said that law is not valid. So it's a very simple concept, and that's why abortion should be illegal. Most states, it would be illegal if uh, the state legislatures just had enough really intellectual integrity and moral courage to do that. Abortion would be illegal in the majority of the states in in, uh, in America. It should be illegal. Should, should, the state should do that. But I get sidetracked uh, tonight. I get sidetracked not to talk about those things. But uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, the Donald, uh, our first president who was a true outsider in the sense he was never elected to public office, but who had quite the resume beforehand as a billionaire uh, businessman, billionaire real estate investor, and reality TV TV show star, among other things. So I, I get sucked into I get sucked into this because there's just there's so much out there, this is just so much information to share. 
and it does serve a purpose. I'm not just up here tonight. I'm not just up here uh, uh, complaining. I don't want to give that impression. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah, you know, I'm bent out of shape. Yeah, you know, I'm upset. No, that 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 that's not true. I I am disappointed in Donald J. Trump, and I did vote for him. I went back and forth, and I'll discuss that later tonight. I'd said that before on the show. I traditionally have voted really third parties a protest vote. But uh, I did vote for uh, Donald J. Trump for president. But it, it does illustrate what, Trump's, what Trump has done. It does illustrate the nature of the two-party system and how the power elite operates. That's why it's good to go through things that the candidate Donald J. Trump has said versus President Donald J. Trump. And when you look at it, again, it's amazing in such a short period of time, the current guy in the White House looks and sounds like the guy on the campaign trail, but as far as the substance, as far as what he's doing and saying now, it's uh, like invasion of body snatchers, like a different guy. I already, I do have one caller. I want to let that caller wait. So, hey, good evening. You are on the show. May I have your name, the state you're from, please? Hey, this is Ed, the anti-Fed from Florida. And uh, how's it going? Much right on. All right, I'm pretty much right on with you. I always vote a third party. I never voted a Republican or Democrat. But I did vote for Trump this time around because we definitely didn't need Hillary. And Johnson kind of let me down on the Libertarian Party, although I was going to go with the Constitution Party. But I figured we got to stop Hillary. She can't win this thing. And Florida was too close to a state. Yeah, I, I think a, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people that traditionally voted third party agreed with you and of course I don't have all I didn't look at all numbers but we had a lot of people that yeah you know, didn't bother voting that voted for Trump and uh, they voted for him as uh as an expression of their distaste and uh, their rejection of politics as usual but uh, it would appear that we got trumped yeah well I don't know if we got trumped all the way but he's doing some things that aren't too bad but, you know, it's a district of corruption. <laughs> I mean, what else would we have had, Hillary? So at least Trump no, no. doing a few uh, it is, it is a, Yes, it is a district of corruption or a district, district of criminals. Yeah, when, when we get locked into that, and again, I, I should have known better, but when, when you get locked into vote at any level, whether it's you know for mayor or president of the United States, when the motivation is always uh, to keep the other person out, when you vote against someone, things don't ever really fundamentally change, and I think that's part of what we see with Trump. Now, Trump did, to his credit, uh, as I said before, he was a legitimate outsider in the sense that he never did have elect, he did, never did hold elected office at any level. But he said certain things that did really uh, resound with the American public. A lot of people didn't like some of the things he said. They didn't like you know, some of his crude expressions. You know, this person that was pretty comfortable using profanity. <laughs> you can see, you can pull those videos up on YouTube. <laughs> But in spite of that, a lot of pe- people didn't like. Some people didn't like that, but they still voted for him because they saw him as a legitimate uh, expression of rejection of politics as usual. And again, he campaigned to a large degree, not 100%, uh, on positions that were largely popular and anti-establishment. And uh, so far, uh, he's not. He has not delivered, and doesn't look like he's gonna. In all honesty. Yeah, I mean, he, 
he might deliver on a few things about, you know, getting away from some of the regulations. And, um, you know, that would be a big start, at least if he can get, you know, the EPA back under control where it's not, you know, shouldn't even exist. I'd like to see him get rid of, like, Department of Education, Department of Energy, you know, and these other things, you know, but they'd like to put um, Perry there in Department of Energy and, you know, that was one of the ones that Perry wanted to abolish, you know, when he was running. So, I mean, <laughs> is, is he going to really, you know, do something about cutting the size and scope of government? That's, you know, it's one thing to go out there and say, we're going to cut taxes, cut taxes, cut taxes. Well, let's how about, you want to cut taxes? That's great. I like that part of them. How about cutting government? And especially, why do you have the IRS? You know, it's just, you know, let's, let's go to the fair tax. Or another tax structure, you know, absolutely. rather than no, absolutely, absolutely, the tax code alone. Uh, I think there's some activists pointed out that there's about seventy-two thousand pages in the tax code now. Eighty it, thousand, whatever. It's nearly incomprehensible. You could hire you could hire accountants to do the same person's tax. And you know, reputable accounts will get different results because the tax laws are that they're that convoluted and uh, ambiguous by by design. But getting back to this, you know, the size of government, I, I think you're right, and I think you know uh, it's not going to shrink. I mean, we go back to Ron Wilson Reagan, and yeah, he talked about too getting rid of the Department of Education didn't happen. He talked about the EPA. Uh, you know, Trump. Trump is. You know, he's he's made some gestures. He's going to reduce the size, but the reality is the EPA should go away. The EPA was created illegally by Richard Nixon, a Republican president, and uh, it can be abolished by executive order. Now, of course, because the Washington establishment would attempt would attempt to challenge that, but Trump does have that power. I don't see it going away. He he should make it go away. And I agree with you too. At the point of energy. Uh, Department of Education. There's there's no constitutional basis for them, and uh, they are wasteful. The central planners, the state is the people that believe in the power of the government over the in, an individual's liberty. They want central planning in all aspects of our lives, and yeah, you know, the uh, they just keep on keep on rolling out. I mean, uh, you look at the war on drugs. You know, Trump said some some good things about marijuana on the campaign trail, and now. He's appointing someone who's rapidly, rapidly against marijuana as his drugs are. Again, there's no go back to Nixon. Uh, Nixon started this war on drugs. It's not legal. Trump could do away with it. Doesn't look like he's gonna. Yeah, I mean, these are the things we're going to be looking at. That's for sure. I mean, we don't know yet what's going to happen on that aspect. Yeah, I, I agree. Sessions was a terrible choice. I understand why he did because he. Trump likes loyalty, and he was the first senator who came out and said, I'm backing this guy. I love Trump. <laughs> of course, you know, when, when Sessions said that, oh, yeah, you're a good Trump guy. Then okay, I'll take you. You know, I'll make you attorney general. Jeez. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, but that's what we're up against. But, you know, it's, Trump might not be as bad as you think he is. I mean, I think compared to anybody else, He's probably the best president we've had in my lifetime, you know. Well, I was well, a kid when I was a kid when. Well, um, uh, again, I've been better. Again, you, he he talked a good talk, but I mean, it, it's been. 
I knew he was going to flip, but because and I say that to me, I I got suckered in the sense that when he chose Pence as his vice president, Pence voted antithetically to all of Trump's core issues when, when Pence was in the House of Representatives. He was for open borders. He was for amnesty. He was for these fake free trade deals. So, yeah, Trump is a lot of things, but he's not stupid. And now certain people and the so-called alternative or new media that basically have you know sold their soul emotionally or you know they're emotionally uh, attached to Trump or whatever, people who should have known better, the so-called alternative new media now, yeah, some of them have come around and realized, okay, you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's more meet the new boss, same as the old boss. But others are going to extreme lengths to attempt to defend Trump and blame the people around him as if he's not responsible for everyone he's appointed. But you get back to the shrugs are guy. This is I'm I'm going to quote a little bit from a piece called The Daily Sheeple. Uh, this is a piece they put out on April 14th. It says in a move. Uh, likely indicative of coming resurgence and long-running war on drugs. The Trump administration has appointed extreme marijuana prohibitionist Pennsylvania Rep. Tom Marino to serve as U.S. drug czar, according to a report by CBS News. As drug czar, Marino would be responsible for coordinating drug control strategy and federal government funding of the drug war. Marino is known as a rabid hardliner on drug policy, going so far as to proclaim that nonviolent drug offenders should be placed in hospitals slash prison. Congressman Marino is set to resign his position in the House to direct the Office of National Drug Policy Control, which advises President Trump on drug policy. Since 2011, Marino has voted against amendments on three different occasions that would have prohibited the U.S. Department of Justice from interfering with state medical cannabis laws and allowed the Department of Veterans Affairs doctors to give military veterans medical cannabis recommendations, according to Mass Roots. Additionally, Marino voted against the law to protect state-controlled CBD programs from federal crackdowns and has at least twice opposed industrial hemp legislation. Perhaps the biggest irony here is the fact that Marino, in an October interview with the Sun-Gazette, had the nerve to absurdly complain he's a states' rights guy. In the same interview, he noted that the only way he would ever agree to legalizing cannabis would be after a really in-depth medical study. Revealing his extreme level of ignorance about the veracity of medical cannabis, Marino said, quote, if it does help people one way or another, then produce it in pill form. You can't smoke it for this, but you take it. But don't make an excuse because you want to smoke marijuana. Look what's, look what's happening in states and cities who are legalizing it. They're running into a lot of problems. Revealing his extremist views on drug policy and testimony to the House Ways and Means, House Ways and Means Committee, Marino noted, quote, One treatment option I have advocated for years would be placing non-dealer, Nonviolent drug abusers in a secured hospital type setting under the constant care of health professionals. Once the person agrees to plead guilty to possession, he or she will be placed in an intensive treatment program until experts determine that they should be released under intense supervision. If this is accomplished, then the charges are dropped against that person. The charges are only filed to have an incentive for that person to enter the hospital slash prison, if you want to call it. So, I mean, this is this is the guy. This is the guy that Trump chose. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's, I'd rather Senate? laugh than cry. What's that? Approved by the uh, he is our drug czar. It's not. It's not technically a cabinet level position. So I think uh, it was, it's just like I believe it's just like national security advisor. That yeah, 
the president just makes an appointment. I believe that's that's the way it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Trump's just about Trump. I mean, the only <laughs> reason I really voted for him was that I lost the bet with my testimony. and I, you know, I probably, but it wouldn't have mattered. I'd throw my vote away anyways because I didn't want Hillary in there. But you know, I, I, no, no. I mean, at at the emotional level, I, I I did what I hadn't done in years, and that was vote for a major party candidate. But but but, but let's work this through. Let's say let's say Hillary got elected. Okay. Hillary gets elected, would we be in a better shape now? Worse, I would suggest, and I don't, I don't believe again you, you should you, know, you should have voted for either of them at this point. But this is the way I see it would have worked out if Hillary had gotten elected from day one. From day one, she would have been under fire, not just by the Republican establishment and otherwise, but also by her own party. If you remember. Uh, she got caught cheating against Sanders. Sanders would have won in a fair fight, in a fair uh, primary. Sanders would have beat her. They were caught, and you know we had we had all the emails that were released by WikiLeaks, whoever produced those, whether it was probably people inside the DNC that had a conscience. But in any case, from day one, she would have been so weakened and so debilitated and hated. And then immediately, also on day one, as far as conservative agenda, she would have never been able to get anything done because she would have been so feared. Now that they have a guy in who's allegedly a nationalist, who a lot of people voted for that didn't vote, you know, he did have support. He did have crossover support. Obviously, Democrats voted for him. A lot of independents, people didn't vote, like I said before, voted for him. People like me and you voted for him. Uh, now the agenda that both parties share is really going on unabated. There's really very little pushback. So... I, I would suggest, and again, I don't think yeah, I don't I don't think you should always vote your conscience. I think yeah, you because know, like I said before, I think when you or I or anyone else vote, when we vote for lesser two evils, when you vote against someone, nothing really changes. But had Hillary gotten in, I think it would have been the agenda would have been slowed down because from day one she would have been under such intense scrutiny over everything she ever did. But now we got a guy who's a fake nationalist, and uh, nothing's gonna. I mean. He's got he's got a blank check. That's the way I see it. Well, what what uh, the thing I see a little different in you is the people are very hopeful, and the people are thinking yes, he's going to do something about NAFTA. He's going to do something about the illegal alien situation. That really uh, the person to blame the most about that is is President Reagan. He's the one. They were the Democrats would love to have. His signature back on the original. Uh, hey, all these criminal invaders. You're now. Yep. I'm going to reward yep. you and give you U.S. citizenship. Yep. That was yep. the, the worst no, no. thing that probably happened in the last 50 years. And you know, it, when, it's when, like rip. when that happened, and I'm not defending Ron Wilson Reagan by any stretch of the imagination, because I think you know Reagan was a guy when you look at his record. I think to some degree, not completely. He was in that. Uh, he was you know for the people. But you know, he compromised a lot in California. Uh, California, he led the way when he was governor. That's when California started getting gun control laws and stuff. Uh, this is the guy who gave us no-fault divorce. So, I mean, Reagan, yeah, there was huge, huge issues. But on the issue of amnesty, when that happened, when you check out, I mean, this is, this is public information. When they did that, even the people in Congress, everyone said this is a one-time, this is a one-shot deal. So he was not, and no one in Congress was advocating this would be standing U.S. policy. But 
it did uh, it did basically grease the skid, so to speak. Uh, it did set a precedent. But they even said at the time, yeah, this is not this isn't going to be normal. Do that? How could you reward citizenship to people that broke the laws that get no. here and expect it to have no, good no. consequences? I agree. When you do when you do bad law, what Reagan signed there, it that's just it, it five times the problem. It didn't solve the problem. It made it ten times of as bad. That everybody okay. said, hey, just work in the United States. They're going to give you citizenship. Look what Reagan did. We're citizens now. No, of course you, you go. You go back. You go back to 1950s. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower's president, and he championed what was then known as Operation Wetback. And yeah. they had done some studies, and I believe that they knew at the time. Don't quote me on this. There was roughly a million Mexicans had had trickled into the country. And Operation Wetback was was an attempt, without a heavy hand, to basically target those people and send them back. And yeah, it worked. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I agree with you 100%. It was a horrible thing with Reagan. My only point was when they sold that to the people, both Reagan and Congress, they said this is a one-time deal. And of course, it was a horrible precedent. They shouldn't have done it at all. I put a but one-time I, deal. One-time deal. And how many more one-time deals are going to put up before our country collapses? No, well. They're they're winning. This is this is part of it. this is this one issue. There are two issues that really woke me up to left right paradigm. How both parties really it's the same agenda, it's different rhetoric. Okay, and one of them was the war on terror after 9/11. Uh, if if the warrant so-called war on terror was real, and of course it's not constitutional, you can't declare war an ideology or a tactic. But if the war on terror was real, the first thing George W. Bush would have done in Congress. Is they were secured the border. And to this day, it's never been secured. The other thing that got my attention in terms of the border was this: apart from any, apart from terrorism, when you look at the numbers, they never really have to pass an amnesty bill. They want to do it because it will accelerate the process, but because of really a misapplication of federal law, because anchor babies, when the illegals come in, and people have been saying for like. Uh, Good 15 years. There's only there's 12 million 12 million illegals in the U.S. No one really knows, but probably closer, probably easily easily be 30 million. But the point is, when they're here and they do they do have children, those children then are anchor babies. Then when those children grow up, they 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 have they become citizens, which they shouldn't, and then they could petition to bring others here. So by an action on this issue, uh, it is going to break the back. Of the United States it is going to help. Uh, it is really going to help completely eviscerate the middle class. Time is on the side of those to do nothing with the border, and I'm sure you follow this issue. You know how they've lied to the American public year after year. They always say, "Well, we can't secure the border until we get until we get comprehensive immigration reform, which is amnesty." Same thing they're doing with Obamacare. They lie to the American public that they think we're all stupid, and they basically say, "No, we can't just repeal it." We have to replace it. It's like, well, hold, time out, time out, time out. Stop, stop, stop. What's wrong with just getting rid of something that you say is horrible, and then you could debate later what you're going to replace it with, if if anything. And of course, the constitutional issue is, is clear. There shouldn't be any any involvement of the federal government in healthcare anyhow. But this is how they lie to us. This is how they lie to oh, us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what I would hope that if if Trump accomplishes anything, his first control of the border because that's what I think he got elected on so I'm not going to say he, he's he do that he did something that no other president 
back to Eisenhower, even tried to do. So, I mean, it's basically, if he does that, I can't call him a failure. But well, if he, he does he, that, he's, and, he, and the people will see it that way, too. That is the number one issue right now. You know, he, he's, you he's know, already flipped. I would like to see him, like him repeal, you know, Obamacare all the way and forget about replacing it. But that ain't going to happen because he don't have the – it's Congress that has to do that, and Congress ain't going to do that. I've always called the Republicans well, he, just Democrats. He doesn't worry if you remember, if you follow what happened. This is, this is what ha- – if you follow the issue, when Obama was president, the Republicans voted around 30 times to repeal all or part of Obamacare. And they knew it would never pass because Obama would veto it. People in Congress, there's one, there's one rep from uh, Ohio, there's another one from Alabama, and they basically said, guys, you voted, when Obama was in office, you voted for a clean repeal. Why can't we do it now? And a few of them had the audacity to say, well, that, yeah, that wasn't real. That was just for show. They had a few of them admit it. So yeah. th- they continue to lie. But about, about the immigration thing, Trump has already started to flip. This is a piece, this is a piece from uh, Red State. And this was published on April 21st, okay? And this is about the Dreamers. And, you know, the writer said, he flips, he flops. It was written by Susan Wright. I'm actually fine as my expectations for Trump were based on level, basement level anyway. His adoring nationalist and assorted MAGA trolls might be a bit shaped by this, however. Then again, when you have no principles, you'll swallow anything. The AP featured an extensive interview of President Trump today, and he revealed his, quote, evolving, end quote, views on foreigners who break the laws of a sovereign nation. Quote, young immigrants brought to the U.S. illegally as children can rest easy, President Donald Trump said Friday, telling the Dreamers they will not be targets for deportation under his immigration policies. As a candidate, Trump strongly criticized President Barack Obama for illegal executive amnesties, including act- actions that allowed young people brought to the country illegally as children to be spared from deportation. But after the election, Trump started speaking more favorably about these immigrants, popularly popularly dubbed dreamers. On Friday, he said that when it comes to them, this is a case of heart. What? Wait, what changed? He won. No need to play the role. Got it. This is actually a dramatic departure from Trump's campaign rhetoric. He was going to deport, then build a great wall. Of course, over time, we'll begin to take on more nuance. It would be a big, beautiful wall with a big, beautiful door. Then maybe deals could be made on a case-by-case basis. As for the wall, the price tag is growing, and we still don't know who is paying for it. We know Mexico won't. This goes back to the AP piece. The president, who took a hard line in immigration as candidate, vowed anew to fulfill his promise to construct a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. But he stopped short of demanding that funding for the project be included in a spending bill Congress must pass by the end of next week in order to keep the government running. I want the border wall. My, date, my base definitely wants the border wall, Trump said in the old office interview, asked whether he would sign legislation that does not include money for the project. He says, I just don't know yet. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, again, he's playing politics. Again, uh, it's very easy yeah. to, to get the funding. It's like this. We have a thing called the matricula consulate card. Mexico has it. And there's, I don't know, there's easily 30 Mexican consulates in the United States. I forget the number. I haven't looked recently. I live in North Carolina. There's two in, in the area where I live, in the center of, in the, the center of state. And the only purpose of those Mexican consulates is to basically support, promulgate, and advance illegal immigration. The Mexicans get across the border, 
and then they get this piece of paper called the matricula consular card. And the matricula consular card in Mexico means nothing. You cannot open up a bank account with a matricula consular card. It means nothing. Yet in the States, you can open up a bank account. All Trump has to do, if, if you want to crack down on immigration and also get money for the border, be two things cost the U.S. taxpayers nothing. Number one, uh, you pass a federal law saying the matricula consular card means in the U.S. where it means in Mexico nothing. Boom. That limit. yeah, people can't get money. They, they peaceably self-deport. That would be beautiful. He's not going to do that. Number two, you also pass another piece of legislation that says, guess what? If you're transferring, they know through Wells Fargo and others, or uh, not Wells Fargo, uh, Western Union and others, wire transfer money, Mexico, Mexicans transfer money back home all the time, okay? Pass a federal law saying you cannot make a wire transfer to Mexico. You can make it all, all Latin America, but to Mexico in particular, unless you can prove you're here legally. You need a passport. Okay. If not, you can do it, but then, but then there's going to be a sur- there's going to be a, a surcharge of 25 percent. We got the money for the border wall. You see, there's simple solutions to getting the money and doing it, but Trump is a fraud. It's not going to get done. It's not going to get done. Yeah. Well, it's not that he's a, all all of them are frauds. So, I mean, we've been. Oh yeah. That's the know, problem. Who, who is, That's the problem. Yeah. You know, it's like, but Trump's probably more real than any other president we've had since Kennedy. And um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, he he he's already in you know barely over hundred you want, days. I don't think he wants to go down as a fraud. I think he does want to do something about it. And um, you know, we'll see if it happens. We, you know, we, we only hundred days. You know. We will. By, by, this, by the end of the year, we'll know if there's really anything getting done. Yeah, to me, I, I think I think you know the jury's already in, but I I do appreciate you calling in. Thank, thanks for calling. All Have right, man. Take care. Donald J. Trump, candidate versus president. You're listening to KRP Radio Show, Rocco P. Last Friday's on the KIRP radio show. Going to take a break. We'll come back and also compare some of the statements and actions of candidate Trump versus President Trump. How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide, or death by government, has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism. Nearly 6 million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government. 2 million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. 
as an American citizen, as a patriot, for your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. K-I-R-P Radio! You're listening to KRP Radio Show last Fridays with Rocco P. Phone number is 619-638-8559, Talking about candidate Trump versus President Trump. Appreciate the first caller from the great state of Florida. And uh, I do think you can make a case uh, to really even make another Hollywood movie another remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers compared to, and all you have to do is just look at Trump on the campaign trail to the person who's there now and what's happened over the last 100 days. Uh, that may sound that may sound a bit critical, but uh, I think it's true. Zero Hedge ran a piece on April 13th called Trump Flips on Five Core Campaign Promises in Under 24 Hours. Okay, what are the issues? Uh, he said he didn't support a strong dollar, and uh, he, he did want high interest rates. That's what he basically said. <laughs> That's a 180 from the campaign trail. Uh, labeling China as currency manipulator. Repeatedly said that during the campaign. Then, then Trump said, quote, they're not currency manipulators. Uh, Adding that China has been manipulating its currency for months. Okay, 180. Now, he was against Shant Yellen, chairman of the private, the private banking cartel, the privately owned banking cartel called the Federal Reserve System. The U.S. dollar is really the Federal Reserve note over 100 years ago. This nation was hijacked when President Wilson supported the Federal Reserve Act, which transferred control of the currency and credit of the United States of America to a privately owned banking cartel called the Federal Reserve System. These banks, call it a system to confuse the issue, this banking cartel is no more federal than Federal Express. But the law established this cartel gave them that power to control the credit and currency of the United States. Trump said he didn't like Janet Yellen, he was on the campaign trail, and then he said, I like her, I respect her. Now he's yelling with yelling. Export-import bank. Uh, <laughs> Trump had opposed it on the campaign trail because uh, basically it just does enable crony capitalism. doesn't help any small businesses. It helps the big guys like Boeing. Now he thinks it's a great thing. 
turns out that quote this quote by Trump now when you flip on export import bank turns out that first of all lots of small companies really helped the vendor companies Trump told the journal the Wall Street Journal instinctively you would say isn't that a ridiculous thing but actually it's a very good thing and it actually makes money can make a lot of money no 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 uh no president Trump uh you're prevaricating or seriously misinformed Boeing isn't a small company Export import bank should go out of existence. It serves no purpose as far as small business. And finally, talk about this a little bit, NATO. Repeatedly on the campaign trail, the pres the candidate Donald J. Trump said NATO, otherwise known as the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, was obsolete. He repeatedly used that word obsolete. And he used common sense. He was saying things that someone like Pat Buchanan has said, hey, NATO was created after World War II to basically counter the Warsaw Pact as the Soviet Union had swallowed up nations in Eastern Europe and coerced, coerced those nations under, under their military control to form this Warsaw Pact. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization was formed to counter the power of the Soviet Union in the Eastern, with the Eastern Bloc companies, and guess what? Uh, you may not, have, you may, may have not got the memo, but Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore, and uh, the Russian Federation is an expansionist. Uh, the U.S. the U.S. funded that fake color revolution in the Ukraine, which is also an illegal revolution, incidentally. The, uh, the legally elected government was deposed illegally, not in a legal fashion. The U.S. put billions of dollars into that, supported by both Democrats and Republicans. But Trump on the campaign trail didn't say all that. He just said repeatedly, NATO was obsolete. But then, lo and behold, Wall Street Journal, uh, Trump said, quote, I said it was obsolete. It is no longer obsolete. So Trump is at that level, like a lot of politicians in D.C., where he just creates reality. That's it. I mean, he, he just he just creates reality. It's obsolete when you want to get votes by people that are basically anti-war and uh, disaffected, don't believe in the illegal, don't believe in the illegal perpetual wars. Then Trump makes the proclamation, kind of like a papal proclamation. It's kind of like if you study Roman Catholic theology, the Pope, the Pope, when he speaks ex cathedra, meaning when he speaks from the chair of Peter concerning faith or morals. He is infallible. Now, he only gained that power at the First Vatican Council in the 1800s. But nevertheless, you know, devout Roman Catholics believe the Pope's infallible when he speaks from the share of Peter in faith and morals. Now we have this developing oral tradition of presidential power that if a, the President of the United States says something, it must be true, becomes true, regardless of what they said you know, beforehand. That's uh, That's amazing. That, that's the zero has speech. April 13th, 2017, Trump flips on five core campaign promises in under 24 hours. About NATO, that was uh, that, that that was really really interesting. I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a clip here from Trump. I think it was a compilation. Uh, part of it was a CNN interview. It may have just been a CNN interview. But this is candidate Trump on NATO. Okay, if you, you want to look at it on YouTube. It was Donald Trump calls NATO obsolete. NATO is obsolete. It was 67 years, or it's over 60 years old. 
uh, it is many countries doesn't cover terrorism okay it covers the soviet union uh, which is no longer in existence and nato has to either be rejiggered rechanged you know, changed for the better i'm not saying the other thing that's bad about nato we're paying too much we're spending a tremendous billions and billions of dollars on nato you're saying it's obsolete though you have now vladimir putin uh, invading Crimea, annexing part of Ukraine, right. annexing well, let me, Crimea. Let me tell you about Ukraine. First of all, uh, you have countries that surround Ukraine. They don't talk. They don't seem to have a problem. I'm not saying go in. I'd say you'd be very strong. You could be strong without necessarily even being into NATO, the money we spend. The money we spend is astronomical on NATO. Okay. The you Ukraine. Really NATO's obsolete. I think it's largely obsolete, yeah. It's got to be changed. It's got to be... You don't, you don't talk about terror. Our single biggest threat right now is terror, okay? Now, that's an amorphous term, but it's terror. Our single biggest threat So you would like that. to see an organization revamped, either NATO revamped or... NATO. Now, if you do that, you're going to obviously have to add different nations in because you have nations that aren't in NATO that are very much into the world of terror, both in terms of causing it and receiving it. So you probably have to either start something or you have to do something. When you look at Brussels, hey, look, you remember a couple of months ago, I made a statement about Brussels. I said it's a hellhole. That's because it's a financial, very big financial capital. Many of my friends are there. They know exactly what's going on. I haven't been there in many years. I was there. It was a beautiful city. Now it's not good. And I said it was a hellhole. The New York Times attacked me rather viciously for calling a place a hellhole. Two months later, we had the attack, and it turned out I was right. It's a hellhole. And on Twitter and all. In that, uh, in that piece, in that clip, Trump being interviewed by, An- by uh, Anderson Cooper of CNN, uh, the point, of course, I'm stressing is that Trump was very clear that NATO was obsolete. But even then, uh, there was disinformation, if not misinformation, in that exchange. Anderson Cooper, who was with the CIA, you checked it out, do a startpage.com search, or duck, duck, go, duck, duck, go, or startpage.com. I don't use the other guy, because that's government outfit, really government-financed outfit. Uh, Anderson Cooper was CIA, hope he may still be, we don't know, but he was, doesn't talk about it too much. Uh, Cooper said, oh, yeah, so yeah, Russia has annexed Crimea. Uh, that was a complete lie. Trump didn't correct him. Crimea had voted to leave the Ukraine before the fake color revolution. So they, uh, Russia annexed nothing. They had already voted to leave before that. They changed the date, but that was already voted voted upon by the people. Uh, Trump talks about terror being the greater. Of course, yeah, that is, that is a, a complete and total and colossal lie. Uh, so there's one lie that Trump was consistent with before and after the election. Uh, the war on terror is a hoax. Uh, if the war on terror was real, the border would be closed. Never has been closed since 9-11. And uh, we wouldn't have all this fascination and attention on airport travel. We wouldn't do it. That's just prisoner training. That's all that is. So... But apart from the fact, I mean, you know, Trump, Trump, Trump obviously is talking about this imaginary war on terror, which is which is complete and total hoax. Uh, didn't correct Anderson Cooper about Russia did not annex Crimea. That's a lie. But he was right in saying NATO was obsolete. Okay, that was Trump. That was Trump then as the uh, candidate. 
Now it's present. It's no longer obsolete. Why that is, I don't know. He said other other Trumpian things about NATO that it would have to be restructured or reformed or something or uh, rebranded, remarketed. I don't know. But uh, I don't think NATO's changed, except now Trump says he's made that presidential proclamation. Now it's no longer obsolete. We talked about foreign policy. Uh, someone like me, I basically re-entered. I was, uh, I was an independent. I re-entered the Republican Party in 2008 because of Representative Ron Paul, also, who wasn't as a medical doctor. So I got back into the Republican fold in 2008, and uh, yeah, I'm still a Republican, but I only got in uh, because of those ideas. Trump on the campaign trail uh, had spoke really in, in a very powerful way against foreign intervention. I'm going to play a clip from uh, Trump. It was interviewed by three people in CBS News. I think in this clip, clip only two of them uh, were actually speaking to him. But it's a great clip. You can see this on my website. Go to paradshift.net, P-A-R-A-D-shift.net, and do a search for Trump Tells the Truth About Interventionism, or just Donald Trump will pop up. I posted this on February 12th of last year. Trump tells the truth about interventionism. And in this clip, you'll see why people like me, some Ron Paul people, basically got on the Trump train. Should we commit U.S. ground troops? Well, you know, Syria is a whole different thing, and you look at what's happening. I, I view ISIS as very important, and I love the fact that Russia is hitting ISIS, and as far as I'm concerned, they've got to continue to hit ISIS. But you know what Russia is and, doing and you know in Syria? Russia is hitting, well, hitting the both. groups that we're backing. Sure, and why are we backing the group? We don't even know who those people are. I speak to generals. They're saying we're giving billions of dollars of equipment to people we have not. Here we go again. We're giving all of this money and all of this equipment to people we have no idea who they are. They're probably worse than Assad. I mean, I'm, Assad's no baby. He's not good. But who are the people that we're backing? Here we go you again know with Libya. That's President Obama's argument. Yeah. Well, I we think don't that's know good. who the weapons you know, I mean, fall into whose hands. We have no idea. Well, why is he doing that? I mean, he's giving them a lot of weaponry. You say you have have a good relationship with Putin or would have a good relationship? I think I would have a very good relationship, but, but who knows? So I mean, could you know. convince Putin to get Assad to step aside? Well, they've been trying to do that. Yeah. Could I? I don't think it's that important, to be honest with you. I think, frankly, let's say you get rid of Assad or you knock out that government. Who's going to take over? The people that we're backing? And then you're going to have, like, Libya, mm -hmm. right? You, you take Gaddafi. Oh, we have to get rid of Gaddafi. Look what happened after we got rid of Gaddafi. Look what happened after so we got rid of Gaddafi. getting rid of Gaddafi was a mistake. It was just, yeah, it was, to me it was a total mistake. I mean, Benghazi, Benghazi was the least, look, look at what's going on over there. It's a mess. Nobody knows anything about anything. You look at, you look at Saddam Hussein. We get rid of Saddam Hussein, the terrorists, it's the Harvard so of getting terrorists. getting rid of Gaddafi and getting rid of Saddam Hussein were both mistakes. Had we not done anything, had our politicians gone to the beach and enjoyed the sun, we would be in a lot better position than we are right now. Saddam Hussein, no good guy. 
But Saddam Hussein killed terrorists. Now Iraq is the Harvard of terror. You want to become a terrorist, go to Iraq. They'll teach you how, okay? Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. But, you know, one other thing he did, he blocked Iran. I mean, once you, once you knocked out that section, all of us, and I said it in 2003, 2004, I was against the war. I said, you're going to have total, the Middle East is going to be a mess. They used to fight forever. They couldn't move. They go 10 feet one way, 10 feet the other. Now you have a total destabilization in the Middle East because we know. That, uh, that, that was a very, very powerful clip. That was candidate Donald J. Trump uh, being interviewed by three people on, uh, with CBS. And if, if you caught what was said, uh, one of the things that came up is they baited Trump. They baited Trump about Syria. And uh, they baited Trump about Russia, but particularly Russia in relation to Syria. It's like, well, if you think you get along with Putin, then could you persuade Putin to have Assad step down? And Trump pretty much, Trump essentially said, why? I mean, what, 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 that, that's not a good idea. Look what happened in Libya. In Libya, after the so-called humanitarian intervention, when Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoro, illegally bombed Libya to push then really that was you know, the, the final blow to uh, get get a Muammar Gaddafi out of power out of office uh, and we have Hillary's lovely statement of Secretary of State we came we saw he died uh, very funny now in Libya and no one talks no, all these people left right all these writers says, it's humanitarian intervention it's for the people for the people. They don't talk about life in Libya now too much. Do you hear any of those people that were banging the war drums for this concept of humanitarian war, which invariably is almost never humanitarian? You don't hear them talk about Libya now. Now Libya is so far gone that openly, openly, not not behind the scenes, it's not done covertly like in Saudi Arabia, they're openly selling human slaves. Slavery is openly is an open business in Libya now. That's right. That's after the U.S. intervention. So when Trump got up there, he shut those, he really shut, silenced those reporters uh, because he said categorically, yeah, yeah, the Libya war was a mistake. Yeah, toppling Saddam Hussein was a mistake. Look how much worse it is today. Uh, and yeah, that was that was spectacular. That That guy, that guy who said that, that Donald J. Trump, he doesn't exist anymore. I don't know if he's been replaced by a body double, but yes, that guy doesn't exist anymore. Uh, what came up? What came up then too? Is, uh, Trump not only said both, you know, Libyan war and the Iraq war was wrong. He said he had posed the Iraq war going back to like what 2003, and that's that's true. That's one of the few few areas where Trump was consistent. When people had scoured everything Trump had said and done about the Iraq War, the only thing they got at the time is they had one appearance by him on Howard Stern where where he basically said, oh, yeah, I, I could have went along with the Iraq War. But here he is you know, at the time, uh, somewhere along in those years, he had taken out a full-page ad in the New York Times posing U.S. intervention in Iraq. That guy is gone. Uh, he doesn't exist. It's the same guy that let, I don't know, 50-odd cruise missiles million dollars a pop flying to Syria over a gas attack 
that there is no proof the Syrian government committed. In all probability, what happened in Syria, I don't have time, I'm not going to break this down tonight. You go to the CorbettReport.com, that's C-O-R-B-E-T-T, CorbettReport.com. You go to his website as well as Corbett Report on YouTube, and you can search. There's a bunch of stuff on Syria. Invariably, what happened is the Syrian government was bombing different positions from ISIS. And ISIS had chemical weapons. They inadvertently, some of those went off. There's no reason, there was no logistical reason, there was no rational reason why the Assad government would have done that to their own people, period. But let's say they did. Let's say they did. And again, there is, there's no proof. If anything, uh, independent observers had said Syria had gotten rid of chemical weapons in the past. If you remember back, uh, it was a few years ago, when uh, the U.S., and other countries had said Syria gassed their own people. It was then proven the rebels had done it. You should go back and check that out, too. But let's say Syria did do it. Let's say they did do it. Would that justify spending $52 million on an attack on a sovereign nation that not only is not a direct threat or indirect threat to the United States, for that matter, but also could you demonstrate then that that action would make life for people better? In Syria, and of course, the answer is no. So, yeah, Trump had great. There was great common sense in uh, that exchange on CBS News. One of the female reporters, if you look at the video, she looked like she wanted to kill him uh, <laughs> because Trump was saying, "You replace these people, then what are you what are you going to get?" But that guy's gone. Uh, that that Donald, Donald J. Trump is gone. There's another piece that was written uh, about you know the colossal. 180-degree reversals of President Trump as opposed to candidate Trump. And some things, you know, some of the changes have been things he said and did after the election. Uh, there's one, to me, largely got ignored. I, uh, I like this piece. This, is, uh, this was from The Intercept. That's, uh, the Intercept is the, uh, that's the online publication with Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald used to write, believe, uh, for the UK Guardian. So this is his own. He was able to get this financed himself, some other people, The Intercept. And they they posted a piece on April 13th. This was largely ignored. Trump has, Trump nine days ago. My people will have a full report on hacking within 90 days. Okay, so that wasn't candidate Trump. That was President-elect Trump. Okay. I'll quote from that piece. Exactly 90 days ago, this was on April 13th, uh, on Friday, January 13th, Donald Trump, then president-elect, issued a series of tweets attacking the claims in former British MI6 officer Christopher Steele's dossier that the Russian government had long been cultivating, supporting, and assisting Trump. Trump called the allegations phony, phony and totally made up and pledged that, quote, my people have a full report on hacking within 60 days. And incidentally, I do think Trump was right on that point that it was made up. But the issue here is about this report he promised. Going back to intercept piece, no, no, no such full report has appeared, nor is there any evidence that an investigation by the Trump administration is currently underway or was ever initiated. Reached by phone, Senior Assistant White House Press Secretary Michael Short, S-H-O-R-T, said, quote, I'm in the parking lot. I don't have an update, end quote, on the promised report. Asked when he might be able to provide an update, short repeated, I'm in the parking lot. Then he said, I've got to run, 
I've got to run, and hung up. In fairness to Trump, he might have meant that his administration would produce a full report within 90 days of his inauguration. That would leave them another week. That would mean a week after April 13th. And tonight, of course, is April 28th, and we have not seen that report. And now it turns out that the phony allegations against me, this is a, a Trump quote, now it turns out the phony allegations against me were put together by my political opponents and are felt spy, afraid of being sued. Donald J. Trump, twittering as real Donald Trump, January 13, 2017. Another quote by Donald J. Trump. Totally made up facts by sleazebag political operatives, both Democrats and Republicans. Fake news, in caps. Russia says nothing exists, probably. Another quote by the Trumpster, released by intelligence, even knowing there is no proof and never will be, my people will have a full report on hacking within 90 days, January 13, 2017. That report has not yet been produced. And if I was going to, if I was a betting man, I would say uh, that report will never <laughs> be produced. <laughs> uh, there's a good piece start to wrap, the, wrap up the show now. It's a good piece on the Great Recession blog. Interesting blog. Guys kind of like a libertarian, not libertarian party, libertarian. Philosophically, talking about the non-aggression principle, the idea that philosophical libertarians, I could identify with this belief system in this this philosophy, not a belief system, sorry, this philosophy, this, this thought, and that what's the non-aggression principle, NAP? Uh, government does not have the right to exert force unless the physical rights of an individual or the property rights are being threatened. Okay, so, the government really shouldn't be able to arrest you if you owe money. You might have to pay them back. That'd be a good idea if it was a valid bill. Uh, if taxes were passed legally, etc., etc. But the idea that you could be incarcerated or harmed for nonviolent offense, I disagree. In any case, uh, this... Uh, this uh, this this author of the uh, the Great Recession blog the uh, yes the Great Recession blog is at the Great Re- Recession info the Great Recession info the Great Recession dot info uh, you could find that there and get this author's name David Haggith David Haggith he had some uh, he had some point things to say. Uh, and he didn't write this too long ago. We get that date. He put the date at the bottom of his piece. That was, this is done April 23rd, right, less than a week ago. And his quote, the name of his piece was, You got trumped, winning horse in presidential race with Strojan. Has there ever been a blogger or worse, April Fool's joke, than the spectacle this month of Donald Trump revealing the manifold ways in which he fooled the multitudes. I sympathize with the many people who hoped for a shot at changing the corrupt political industrial establishment as they feel their opportunity evaporate around them. Their hopes were the best hope this nation had, but the head-spinning transformation of Trump has turned stomachs to where some of Trump's most ardent campaign supporters now publicly deem him traitor Trump. The rest are simply simply hoping against hope that he is not Everyone, conservative or liberal, is seriously starting to wonder what happened to candidate Trump. This is what April has consistently revealed. 
if you voted for the Donald because you wanted to end America's endless wars for regime change and failed attempts at nation-building, you got Trump. If you thought Hillary's reset bu- red reset button with Russia was disaster, and so you voted for the orange reset button as a path to peace with Russia, you got trumped. And to uh, to eliminate that point a little bit, to illustrate that, uh, this didn't get a lot of press coverage, but you could do, you check out what Nikki Haley said. Nikki Haley, a Republican establishment creature, former governor of South Carolina, was chosen by the Trumpster to be United States ambassador to the United Nations. Very quickly after she was there, she said some horrifically and incendiary things against Russia. So this whole illusion again that, you know, oh, you know, Hillary is going to get towards Russia. Trump is level-headed. Uh, you know, he, he respects Russia. He sees you know, Russia's fighting ISIS in Syria. We can build, we can work with them. That was, uh, that was all an illusion. Get back to this piece here. If you vote for the tweeter-in-chief because he promised to get tough on trade with China, you got Trump. If you vote for Trump in order to thump Fedhead Jan, Janet Yellen, she doesn't get thumped, but you got trumped. Back in September, when he was still just candidate Trump, I wrote an article titled Trump, Trojan Horse for the Establishment or Mighty Mouth for Mankind. I knew that putting out my deep reservations about Trump would cost me readers because I write an anti-establishment blog, and Trump was the anti-establishment candidate of choice. I published the article anyway, and not only cost me readers from which I haven't recovered, but also cost me websites that had been carrying my articles. Such is the pursuit of truth over popularity. Nevertheless, I continued to write on that theme in the months that followed because I believed the warning was important and because I chose to see and describe the world as it is as best I can and not how I want it to be. Because I criticize any political party as readily as another, I'm often seen as too conservative by liberals and too liberal by conservatives. I don't get the benefit of club membership that gains a writer an easy, loyal following. Following, so be it. Here are some of that article which is now looking like it was spot on. I craved the opportunity to see an anti-establishment candidate win the election. I would exult in seeing our corrupt establishment shattered. So, while I do not like Trump the man, as it would appear he has never done anything that didn't entirely serve his own self-interest and pompous ego, I have thoroughly enjoyed seeing him upset establishment Republicans and establishment Democrats alike. And, yes, they are alike, so let's just call them the establishment, because whether they're Republican or Democrat is not relevant. Both parties exist to serve the same rich people and themselves either way. I'll even acknowledge that perhaps it takes someone as brazen and blusterous as Trump in order to stand up to such powerful assemblage of egoists, as we have embedded in Congress and in the President's administration, which now rules by decree. While I have never liked this particular publicity whore, I put up with his relentless boasting and forgive his audacious past if it takes that kind of brassy, risk-taking adventurer to find someone with enough spine to stand up to the intimidations of Congress. Whether or not I like him is not important unless it is leading me to see flaws that may mean Trump is not what he makes himself out to be. And I think 
I think this writer, you know, that really that really encapsulated, that really represented what a lot of people did feel about Trump. Uh, there were a number of people, and again, Trump got Democrats, uh, he got independents, he got people who hadn't been voting, uh, he got Republicans, he got libertarian-leaning Republicans like me. They could really set aside or tolerate uh, certain things about Trump that were personally distasteful if they thought he was real. In other words, if they thought he was going to, he was going to shake up the power structure, which he has not. So um, there was, you know, this writer went on to say, you know, that there were certain things, uh, there were certain things he saw, and he concluded his first article by saying, "Be careful." that you don't believe something just because you want to believe it so badly. That is how the citizens of Troy were conquered in the Trojan War. I'd love to have an anti-establishment candidate roll in, too. Sadly, I don't think I do. Tom told Trump the task is now, not after the establishment makeover turns him into their Trojan Trump card, but while they were trying so that they don't, so that they don't succeed. And I closed the article by stating, is he force or farce? This writer goes on, April has demonstrated that Trump was either a Trojan horse by design or, in the very least, that his establishment makeover is nearly complete. Before he's even finished his first 100 days as president, President Trump has turned 180 degrees in almost every promise candidate Trump made. A couple of times Trump has tried to enact his promises, he has failed bigly. That is, uh, that is sad to say. That is sad to say very true. The big picture, again, as I opened up the show, it's not to just complain. It's not just to have fun at Trump's expense. And I certainly don't mean to ridicule or uh, uh, in any way uh, diminish the sentiments of the people who vote for Trump. I, I really, really don't. The point is to get you to understand whether you vote for or against Trump. And, of course, there's people that don't vote for different reasons. A lot of them see that uh, the system is rigged. I think it was uh, uh, maybe George Carlin said if uh, voting would change anything, could actually change anything, they wouldn't let us do it. <laughs> in any case, understand Trump in the context of the power structure of the two-party system, presenting himself as an outsider. He wasn't elected to any office, but he, he, did, he does hold the same agenda. It's become increasingly clear. Again, I go back to when he chose Pence as his vice president. If Trump was real, in other words, if he really wanted to shake up the status quo, he would have never gone with someone who was a consummate insider like Pence. He would have went with someone completely outside the the power structure. If it was anyone that was ever in D.C., it would have been someone who was probably no one ever knew because they wouldn't have had any power in any case, we see President Trump, whether it was an act all along or whether he was co-opted, at this point it doesn't matter. Uh, Trump, Trump is the enemy. Uh, Trump is the enemy. He's uh, done this horrific reversal against uh, formally opposing illegal wars of aggression. Now he's for them. We're on the brink of World War III if this thing gets get kicked off in Korea. And that could easily, very quickly involve China and or Russia. 
very quickly. If you look on the map, I didn't realize this until recently. There's a little section of Russia that borders with North Korea. It's not just China. So it's a very, talk about a strategic, strategic powder keg in the world. That's North Korea. And I do not believe North Korea has any, any capability of seriously harming the United States. I think any talk of any missiles harming the, uh, being able to hit the United States is completely ludicrous. The U.S. missile defense system that we have now mentioned the advanced technology. They don't discuss. No, I believe it's impossible. Trump has surrounded himself with Goldman Sachs people. He had trashed Goldman Sachs on the campaign trail. In particular, he went after then Rafael Ted Cruz, whose wife was an upper-level Goldman Sachs executive, Rafael Ted Cruz, who forgot to mention he got a $1 million loan from Goldman Sachs when he ran for the U.S. Senate. Then, candidate Trump was against Goldman Sachs. Uh, after he was elected, he made Steve Mnuchin former Goldman Sachs uh, creature as Treasury Secretary. And he's got uh, Council of Economic Advisors there, Gary Cohn, another Goldman Sachs creature. And people that wanted to defend Trump say, well, that was a long time ago with Mnuchin. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Then you could look at what Mnuchin did with Indy Mac when he was involved with yeah, other criminal financial enterprises. These are the scum that you know, Trump has surrounded himself with. This is what Trump wants. You look at the chief of staff, Rince Priebus. He could have gone with Steve Bannon. No, huh? he went with the he went with the Rince Priebus, who's RNC Republican National Committee chair. That's who we want to run as chief of staff. That that decision alone spoke volumes early on with the direction of the Trump administration. Trump Trump is a fraud, and I say this. So you understand the power structure. The agenda of the two-party system, again, the the priorities, the positions are the same. Do not be fooled. The rhetoric is different. In other words, the way they present themselves, the way they talk about issues is different. The agenda is the same. You see that in the refusal of Republicans to repeal Obamacare. If you were trumped, you know, see it as a learning lesson. See it as a tool. Yeah, I certainly was, and realize that voting against someone is going to change things. And, uh, whether it's again, whether it's at the local level or for national level, and the reality is, we if we ever are going to restore the republic and make some headway instead of continuing to lose our individual liberties, it's going to be done from the bottom up, not the top down. In other words. We're not going to, the people are not going to take over D.C. and then the states and, yeah, county government's going to get in line, local government's going to get in line. Uh, it's going to come from the bottom up. We're going to take over an inch at a time. We'll take over local governments with people. We'll influence and get people of character elected to state legislatures, to county commissioners. We'll get constitutional sheriffs elected. And then... The federal government, after it's been made, after it's been forced back to the box the Constitution puts it in, then D.C. would be what it should be. But this idea that we're going to have the power and money to take over Washington, impossible. It's just not going to happen. So, if you listen to this show, you're probably politically inclined anyhow. Uh, Don't be discouraged. Realize that D.C. is, in a very real sense, a district of criminals. 
focus on the things, educating people, uh, make a change where you can, and uh, realize that Donald J. Trump, Donald J. Trump, is the enemy. If Hillary Clinton had been elected, the agenda would not have been any different. As I said before, if anything, we could have slowed down the agenda because she would have been so hated by all Republicans and even people in her own party from day one. So you've been listening to the KRP Radio Show, keeping it real pudgy familiar guest host, Rocco P. Last Fridays of the month with Rocco P. I want to thank Pudgy Miller again for this opportunity to share his platform with me once a month. I do appreciate you for listening. I will see you next month, the last Friday night of the month. Next month will be, Lord willing, Friday, May 26th. P Radio Show. Have a good night again. Thank you for listening. K-I-R-P Radio!